Hi, everyone in NC Poll and CGA land. This is Don Vaughn, your intrepid politics reporter at the News and Observer. You'll be hearing from me more often on our Under the Dome episodes as I'll be taking on the lead hosting role on the podcast. So I'll talk to you soon. This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're taking a look at what's happening in North Carolina politics for the week of September 12, 2022. For the News and Observer and the NC Insider, I'm Don Vaughn, your host for Under the Dome on Monday, September 12, 2022. I'm here with my colleague, Danielle Battaglia, our DC correspondent. And we have just under like two months until election day and candidates at all levels are obviously trying to get the most votes out of everybody and motivate voters and um, those in their party, those maybe who haven't decided yet. So not, not just the base. So what we're seeing now is state and federal candidates shift their stances or maybe how they explain their stances a little bit towards the middle and some aren't talking much at all or if they are, it's about each other. Uh, Danielle, do you want to get started talking about the federal level? What's changing? Who's talking? Who's not talking? What they hope to gain? Let's start off with uh, some of the congressional races like Wiley Nickel, Bo Hines. Uh, Danielle, tell me what you're seeing lately as we count down to Election Day. Sure. So, um, you know, let me start with this. So I had spoken last week with... um, Chris Cooper, he's a political scientist at Western Carolina University, which I'm pretty sure is one of my alma mater's rivals. So I've never told him that, but, you know, just throwing it out there. Anyways, so um, he had said to me that this is something that you tend to see in the general election. It's normal. The um, candidates, basically, they start in the primary where they're going to be like heavily, I'm Republican or I'm Democrat. They really want their base to know like, this is what I stand for. These, this is why you need to vote for me. It's a very different base for the electorate. So um, in that primary, Republicans are voting for Republicans, Democrats are voting for Democrats. You want to show like more of a extreme side to that. But when you come into the general election, you do need to start playing more of a middle ground because you have a different electorate. Now you're having Democrats and Republicans choose between you and your opponent. So seeing some of this middle of the road movement that we're now seeing in different races across the state is kind of typical of candidates going into the general election. So it's not really divulging or diverging from um, what we've seen in the past. So with the Wiley-Nickel-Bohines race, this is District 13. It's our true um, swing district. So it's one to watch. Um, State Senator Wiley-Nickel came out with a commercial, I believe, two weeks ago at this point where he's got, um, he's got children in AOC shirts and uh, MAGA shirts saying basically that he is the, the, well, they're in a bounce house and they're trying to keep the bounce house afloat, but they're divided. So Wiley's come in and said like, I am the, um, I'm the guy to keep this bounce house moving because I'm going to work with everyone and make it fun. So you see him trying to like show that I can work with both sides and the middle of the road candidate. Uh, Bo Hines, more, more interesting. And we're seeing this across the country. He had a very hard stance, at least when he spoke with the News and Observer in May or April, um, basically saying, I'm anti-abortion, no exceptions, nothing like this is sanctity of life. We need to respect God's creation. 
like it was a hard no, I will never um, support abortion. And so depending on what interview you look at at the time pre-primary, sometimes he did say with the exception of the mother, that's not what he told our newspaper. And now he's coming out very strongly saying, if the life of the mother's at risk, I will have an exception there. However, I'm against abortion. He's also told another news outlet, I believe it was WRIL, that um, he will make exceptions for rape and incest. Well, actually, I shouldn't say he will. He's studying whether he will make an exception for rape and incest as well. So um, we're kind of seeing him divulge. He also stripped a piece of his website that said that he was anti-abortion. That's no longer there. So we're seeing him have like a more drastic middle of the road. And I think a lot of that is because of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, making this like a much bigger issue in the general election than they saw coming. Why do you think they're doing that? Do you think it's part of it is what we're seeing? And and I can talk about this on the legislative level um, once we talk more about Congress, too. But are they seeing what's happening in other states? Do you think it's polling? Do you think it's this was what we campaigned on for a long time now? You know, what is it actually um, come down to? And and maybe that's why why Heinz is, is shifting a little bit. Um, that particular issue. Are you seeing any other changes from him or is it, is it pretty much just that? So the one I paid attention to is abortion. That's the one I can speak to more more intelligently. But um, with that, I think that, like I said, Roe v. Wade coming out, it's become way more of an issue than it was before. And polling is showing that even in North Carolina, more people support abortion than um, including Republicans than what we've seen in the past. And so I think there's a shift to make sure they are in line with both what people want to see nationally, but both in North Carolina as well. Um, the opinion has had a different take than typical following that that uh, ruling. Well, let's go to the, the U.S. Senate race for North Carolina. <laughs> What's going on with Sherry Beasley and Ted Budd? Are they talking a little less about themselves, more about each other or certain issues? We've seen Beasley, I believe, talking to police lately. They're all, both of them are talking about farmers a lot, it's looking like. Uh, well, you know, Ted Budd, he um, will tell you all day long that he grew up on a farm. It's it's an issue that I get a lot of emails about because um, people think he's trying to present himself as a poor farm boy when he is not that poor of a family. So um, I think that's why the farming is coming up a lot right now. But um, they're both running such quiet campaigns. I mean, Beasley's out campaigning among the people, but like you don't see a lot of huge talk from her. And then Bud is completely quiet. I think it's part of the um, strategy of his campaign. I'm not exactly sure what that strategy is, but they're definitely staying quiet. Um, I have seen in the last week, Bud has attacked Beasley on the um, basically saying that she's trying to play the middle of the road too, by saying that she supports police, but she's campaigning with uh, Representative Cory Bush, who is a supporter of the Black Lives Matter matter movement and has also been a huge advocate for defunding the police. And so you're seeing some attacks on that end from him with the Bud campaign. You're also seeing him sort of back away from, I shouldn't say back away from his Trump endorsement, but he is not pushing that as hard as we saw in the primary. I was just thinking about farming. I think Wiley Nichol has mentioned farming and in his family history too. Uh, so w- let's talk about the Trump factor. Do you think some of that is because of 
you know, finding out that he had all these, you know, classified documents that he took home with him after the presidency? Do you think Republicans are like, well, let's, you know, step back from talking about him too much right now? Or let's see how the case turns out. What do you, what do you think? The Trump factor is so interesting to me right now because in the primary, you know, it was pre a lot of the January 6th committee hearings. I'm not even sure we had one at that point. And so there was a lot of talk about like, it's fine. No big deal. If Trump's endorsing us, people love him. I mean, he's got a strong base in the Republican Party and his supporters. I mean, they love him. So to get that primary vote, it was really helpful to have Trump. Um, and I think a lot of Republicans are not paying attention to the January 6th committee hearings. What was really fascinating to me looking at uh, data on who's watching these hearings was a lot of the millennial Gen Zers are not listening. Um, so anyways, on that point, um, now we've got the Mar-a-Lago raid, if you want to call it that, um, with the um, with the feds coming in and searching for those documents that he had. And I think there's been two sides of it. Some people, I think his followers have been very angry that they're calling this unprecedented and saying like, this doesn't happen. Basically saying Biden's controlling things, um, putting a lot of blame on the Democrats for things that they hadn't seen in the past. However, as more and more information has come out about what was at Mar-a-Lago and the specific documents, you've seen Republicans kind of back off of their, oh my God, how terrible they're just talking about it less. Um, and I think that's got to be hard to navigate for a candidate supported by Bud right or by Bud by uh, Trump right now to have um, to have like not really know where this investigation is going and what's being found, especially when crime is involved and you don't want to align yourself. That's you know going to be uh, if we see any other perp walks in the future from anybody. So all right, well that's about what we have for um, we wanted to talk about at the at the federal level. We're going to take a, a quick break and then we'll be back talking about what's going on with the legislative races and some some shifts or, or changes in how people are talking. And we'll also have headliner of the week. So we'll be right back. We're back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm News and Observer Politics reporter Don Bond here with our congressional reporter, Danielle Battaglia. So I have some questions for you because you have a lot more races to cover than I do with the general. So many. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. So I want to know what kind of shift are you seeing? in the legislature? Are you seeing this middle of the road that we're seeing with um, my congressional candidates? Abortion has is, is really just changed this election so much. You know, and I think we've both covered that how before this, it was like generally a midterm election, especially if people aren't happy with the party in the White House, especially if everything costs an arm and a leg, you're going to vote for the, for the opposing party. So that's what the election looked like for a while. And then with the Supreme Court decision, uh, Roe versus Wade and abortion laws in all the states, and states are the ones in charge of it now, that's changed everything. And is it enough to motivate base voters on either side? I think Republicans in North Carolina, when we first started asking them about this, um, you know, the, said the party line, House Speaker Tim Moore and Senate Leader Phil Berger said, you know, they've been longtime, you know, anti-abortion, um, described as pro-life. Um, and that there will be legislation next year, if assuming they had the supermajority and that Cooper couldn't veto it. Well, 
seeing what's happening in other states is kind of changing things a little bit because uh, people have seen how that's played out with states that had, you know, trigger laws where it was like total bans or no exceptions for rape and incest. And what do people actually think about that of, you know, forcing people um, to, to carry child to term in those circumstances or if the baby is not going to live. Um, so they've, there's a lot of different things we've seen play out. And I think Republican lawmakers running for re-election or, or candidates are, are looking at that. And that's why we didn't get very many specifics from Moore and Berger earlier on, except, you know, these general comments. Speaker Moore, um, what, what he's come out with his personal position is more conservative than Senator Berger which maybe was a surprise, maybe wasn't. It's, you know, you've got to like see what, what people actually think. And so Moore is still generally saying, and we're not hearing anything from, from other House Republican candidates wanting, you know, very early, very early restrictions. Where Berger, the last time we all talked to him, he is looking at the, the end of the first trimester, exceptions for rape and incest, and life of the mother, there's another factor of like, you know, not just it's a life or death situation, but how much harm is this potentially going to talk or cause to to a mother who is um, who has to give birth, but it, it might cause you know permanent physical damage or something like that. So they are saying you know talk to your that we're not going to you know what what happens in caucus stays in caucus, but talk to your constituents you know have these kind of conversations. So after Berger said that and and I reported it all you know everyone else in the press corps reported it. We've seen another senator come out with almost an, you know, an identical line, Senator Michael Lee, who's running for re-election uh, down in New Hanover County. And it's basically the same thing, those certain exceptions and first trimester limit. So Democrats are, again, people have campaigned on these issues in a very specific way. It's, it's you know, to the Republicans' advantage, they would say, oh, Democrats want abortion on demand. And then Democrats would say Republicans want nothing ever, no exceptions. And, you know, the reality, of course, and everything is like somewhere somewhere in the middle there. So there is a little bit of a shift uh, that we're seeing among Republican senators, at least, and, or that they you know don't want to talk about it the same way you were saying with with some congressional races that they're worried about those you know votes on the margins. You have the base that you want, but then you also need to worry about all the, the largest voting group in the state, which is unaffiliated voters. And is this going to be an issue for them or a party loyalist where this is a deciding issue, not the way that they that they want. So that's what we're saying at the legislative level. Um, and there's more focus on it this year because of those 170 races and how how power will turn out. So many races. Yeah, yeah. So that's where that's where things stand. Uh, so let's get to our headliners of the week. Uh, Danielle, why don't you go first? Okay, I'm going to start with what everyone's talking about, which is the death of Queen Elizabeth. Um, I don't know that we should say it took us by surprise yesterday because I think here in America we woke up at like 8 a.m. to news that she was not doing well and her family was rushing to be by her side. It was interesting though to be at the U.S. Capitol when it happened. Um, because we immediately saw the reaction from America and, um, you know, Schumer and McConnell took the floor to talk about her death and to honor her legacy. We lowered the flags to half mast. Um, we, if you look at actually congress.gov, they changed the entire front page to her face. Um, 
So there was a lot of uh, just memories of her talking about her. The press room was really fascinating to be in because we were all trying to figure out how the um, transition from queen to king works and titles and all of that. So we spent our entire day focused on the queen yesterday. Right. So she's obviously, I mean, that's headliner of the week, month, you know, for, for everybody. Um, I know my mom is originally from England and, and was named after Queen Elizabeth. So there are a lot of people. Uh, she's such a part of the culture there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she was by Betty, but she's named after Queen Elizabeth. So my um, my grandparents met in, uh, in World War II. So anyway, my headliner is a little uh, more lighthearted. Um, it's about... There's another, my headliner last week was also about sports and the governor, and this one's about sports and the governor, but he keeps having sports politics crossover episodes. So, <laughs> well, that is a good lead in to part of my headliner is the outfit that he wore for this announcement with NASCAR. NASCAR is not a very, you know, everyone's all, you know, not colorful and, and logos of that sort of thing. So, you're, you know, there's a little more, little more flair with, a, with NASCAR related attire. So the whole point of that is my headliner of the week is Dale Earnhardt Jr., also just known as Dale Jr. or just Jr. So Jr. was at the legislature last year and then this past week was in front of the legislative building anyway for an announcement in front of the History Museum with the governor and NASCAR officials because our our Charlotte Observer colleague um, Alex Zetlow covered the big announcement that the North Wilkesboro Speedway is going to host the NASCAR All-Star Race next year in May, um, bringing the sport back to a forgotten racetrack, as, as Alex wrote. Uh, and Cooper, who usually wears a suit, was wearing this racing jacket and embroidered shirt that he had gotten at some, um, some previous race-related uh, event. So uh, the governor obviously is really big into some sports, uh, including including racing, as is a large group of people in the state. So um, you said you grew up around racing, Danielle, right? Yeah, well, my parents are both huge NASCAR fans. So um, I the first race I watched actually very sadly was the death of Dale Earnhardt, which my dad was swearing up and down. This is not a dangerous sport. It will be fine. And then that happened. Um, but that uh, kind of endeared me to NASCAR anyways. And Dale Jr. was always one of my favorite racers and kind of bummed he's out of the sport. So, um, yeah, I, well, I shouldn't say he's out of the sport. He's not racing anymore. He's very much still a part of the sport. But, um, yeah, actually, it was funny when I moved to North Carolina to cover Rockingham County. There's Rockingham Speedway, which is not in Rockingham County. But we people got us confused all the time, the city and the county. So, um Heard a lot about that racetrack, heard about Wilkesboro a lot. So I know this is like a huge deal for that area to have to come back and, and be revitalized. And I'm very jealous that he got to see Dale Jr. yesterday. <laughs> I remember being in the house last year and then I was like, wait, Junior is here? And someone goes, what do you mean by Junior? <laughs> and I'm like, it's there's only one Junior if you're you know, it's Dale Earnhardt Junior. And not everybody just knows that whether you're a racing fan or not. I've only been to one race. I was when I was working in in Virginia. It was the New River Valley Speedway in Pulaski County, and I sat next to him, the newsroom a sports reporter, and he convinced everyone to go to a race. And I was like, oh, I don't think I'm really into racing, but it was fun. It was really. It's, it's fun. There's a reason why everybody loves it. I'm sure any racing fan listeners, you know, can can tell us all the many reasons why, why they're a big fan. So my headliner is both uh, Cooper's uh, racing attire, but that Junior was here again. And that's that's big racing news for the state and, and people and business and everything else. So 
Anyway, I think both our headliners is go get your fall drinks, food, everything. Right, right. Pumpkin, everything. I'm segueing from the apples to pumpkin. So. All right. <laughs> For the News and Observer and the Insider, I'm Don Vaughn with Danielle Battaglia. We'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.